You got to accentuate the positive. Wow! I feel good. A little bit of feel good goes a long way. Welcome to ATP Radio. I'm your host, Karen Swain, teacher of deliberate creation, showing you how to accentuate the positive, the way to a better life. Your radio station is an example of the future existing right now. Hello and welcome to another hour accentuating the positive here on Soul Traveller Radio. I'm your host, Karen Swain. I'm a teacher of deliberate creation, a channel and a medium, channeling wisdom from my guides and broader perspective whom I've called blissful beings. On Accentuate the Positive, you'll hear conversations with open hearts and inspired minds. It's my intent to put more love out through our media. It's so important to have a media diet that uplifts you, empowers you, and reminds you of who you really are, instead of a lot of the media that we get that puts you in fear. So this is why I present the show. I've got some wonderful guests lined up for you. Please subscribe and support positive media you can stay up to date with the show on accentuate the positive radio with karen swain on facebook or go to karenswain.com and you'll see most of the podcasts there hello and welcome to accentuate the positive here with karen swain i haven't been doing this for a few weeks because i've been traveling so back into the swing of things and the first person i'm going to chat with today is the fabulous mary rodwell hello mary hello karen lovely to talk with you (laughs) it's great to see you again too now i've chatted with mary before she's the founder of cern which stands for the australian close encounter resource network that's right that's right but mary's just brought out a new book called the new humans and that's what we're going to talk about today and i've got so much to chat to you about because I met so many of them on my travels. It was really exciting. Do you want to tell us a little bit about the new book, Mary? It's actually out in a couple of weeks. It's almost there. It's been formatted at the moment. The reason for the book was that I was meeting families that had had encounters, but also the children. And the children were very much more conscious of their experiences, Um, not so much as the parents who would have you know, bits of memory and what have you. They would have conscious recall of being taken places. They, they also had conscious recall of past lives and uh, the kinds of things that they were doing on other planets as well as Earth. And also what was very clear was that they had made this, this statement, they were here to help humanity. That's why they come. They'd come to help us as a species evolve. And that is what's so exciting is that with all the negativity that you're hearing at the moment and how the world is going and falling into this pit of chaos, you know, this to me is very important that people realise that we have help. We are bringing in these new individuals that are going to help change all of this. Absolutely, absolutely. All right, well, let me set the stage. So Mary has been counselling people for years and years and what was happening a few years ago, you can have a listen to our first interview, which you'll see on my website, was people started coming to Mary because she was very open to listen to extraordinary stories and people started talking about being abducted by aliens and it has evolved since there. So that was quite a few years ago, Mary. How many years ago when did that start happening? You know, I've been counselling for 30 plus years but yeah. it was probably just over 20 years ago when my very first client came to see me with this experience. So 
a lot has changed since that that beginning. Yeah, a lot has. And it's just so exciting because, as I say, I've just come back from travels and I'm seeing these children everywhere. You know, I I got on the plane, first plane out of Sydney, and this gorgeous yummy mummy sat right next to me. And uh, she was actually going on the adventure I was going with Habitat. We were building for Habitat. And she was telling me about her autistic son, who is just incredibly intelligent. And the story unfolds. And there's just, you know, what I find with these people, Mary, is that they, these parents of these extraordinary children, is that they, they don't really have a support group. So I had a client about a year or so ago that brought a nine-year-old to see me who was extraordinary. He didn't speak verbally, but he was telepathic. It was extraordinary. And I wanted to help the mother out with the support group. But there was none because, you know, mainstream counsellors or doctors or healers just call them autistic and, you know, put them in special needs and they're much more than autistic. They just, they vibrate at a different frequency. They just, their brains move so quickly. It's just a different level, isn't it? I think that's the big thing here. And um, I'm, what fascinated me was people who'd had encounters we're talking about being upgraded and yet they would have an autistic child or a child with ADHD or whatever. And, and that was where I started the wondering. So if that's the case, so we're seeing them as a dysfunction when in fact we may be missing the whole point, which is that they're not dysfunctional. They are just very different and they're seeing reality differently. And this is what I talk about in the book. Um, there's a, a molecular biologist who herself is, she calls a letter person, which is one of these children where she's saying that they see reality differently. They have heightened senses and certainly certain types of autism, they're telepathic. So we have to understand that they are not only seeing reality differently, they're experiencing on far more sensitive levels than the average human. So that is why they react often quite dramatically because they're getting so much more input than the rest of us. So it's about understanding their reality so that we can help them. And this is why, you know, there's several chapters now on the holistic way of dealing with the leather children, which is the Asperger's dyslexia as well, ADHD, as well as some forms of autism. And also knowing that we've even got to look at not only understanding how they see reality, but creating the right kind of environment for them to use their abilities and to enhance their abilities rather than shut them down and put them into the box, the 3D box so many people are pushed into, which just don't fit for them. And so they lose heart, they become disheartened and depressed. So it's about understanding it, not labeling it as something that is, we've got to fix it. But actually, yeah. we've got to fix ourselves. That's the difference. Oh, I'm totally with you. I'm absolutely totally with you. I want to put a group of them in a room and not teach them anything, but ask them, you know, like learn from them. <laughs> So I've been attempting to do that, but I've kind of got a few, a smattering of them here in Sydney. But the people I'm connecting with are sort of all, they're all in different places. They're not all in one group, you know, and uh, it's really interesting. So to sort of get a group of them in a room like the kids themselves and just to sit and speak to them from that perspective of what do you know and what can you teach us? Because parents and teachers don't do that with children. They think that their role is to teach them and they're never asking them questions. Someone like you is it completely different because when they come to see you, you're asking them a whole load of questions. So you're really getting this amazing information out of them. 
I think the, there's two things there. There are teachers that I call star seeds that are aware the educational system is not meeting the needs because they felt the same thing in their generation and want to create new curriculums for that. Hallelujah. So a new education but you know I've even got one educator that's you know written her perspective on why she's needed to create a new curriculum but you know you're getting from children I mean I two days ago I think it was or three days ago I was talking to a young nine-year-old in the U.S. who'd been wanting to tell me about her experience being taken on a spacecraft with a, a different kind of ET right to be shown a black hole so she describes what the black hole starts to look like as she's being taken there in the spacecraft. She's explaining about time loops and she's describing that, you know, she saw planets exploding and then coming back together again, almost like this was this unique piece of time. Then being shown a wormhole where she was being shown um, dinosaurs, she was being shown a lot of things that are in the past. And her mother said to her, are they like movies or are they real? She said, oh, no, it's like real time inside a wormhole. So you're getting children being shown black holes and wormholes and understanding, you know, what it is they're being shown. Now, this is what I'm talking about. You don't do this at school. You don't get shown black holes in real time. You know what I mean? Now, who, who's going to understand that? But it's, it's what her experience. How fantastic is that? It's just so exciting. I think it's really so exciting. It's just wonderful. You know, I spoke recently to Sherry Wild. I think you know Sherry Wild, the, the Forgotten Promise. And she said to me during the uh, chat that we conversation we had for ATP Media, she said when she was five, she was taken by her guys, uh, she calls them her guys, who were... Zeta or what we call the greys they look like greys anyway and she was shown a similar thing she was shown different timelines and one of the timelines that she was shown like a movie that she was involved in it's a bit like someone when they have a near-death experience when they're watching a screen it's unlike our experience where we're just passively watching it feels like you're actually in the screen, like in the movie and uh, like a virtual reality, I suppose. And she said that she saw the coast of America just wiped out by this massive tsunami that just continued across the planet and was just destroying the human race. And that was when she was five. So she's in her 60s now. So it was a while ago. It was after, you know, I suppose a few years after in the 50s after the, the bomb had gone off in Hiroshima. And she said as a five-year-old, she just looked at her guys and said, what can I do? I'm only five. (laughs) But that was a message that if we didn't change, that was the possible timeline. I think we've actually moved past that timeline. We've not chosen that timeline, but we're still, we've still got a way to go. So what I'm passionate about is talking about why they're here and what message they have. And you said that there are a lot of teachers that were like these children. I was like those children. I was completely dyslexic at school, totally intuitive, totally creative, but called stupid and dumb because I couldn't read or write. And so I really relate to these kids, and that's kind of why I'm passionate about them. But we're talking at the Afterlife Explorers Conference and the Close Encounters Conference in January in Byron Bay. You're going to talk at the... Both. Oh, you're talking at both. I am. And and both your message and my message is very much about 
Because a lot of people, when they see this phenomena, are just interested that like, oh, aliens, oh, star children. But that's exciting. But why are they here and what's their message? And that's really what I want to talk about as well. The message from, you know, the afterlife is the same message that comes in the form of a child that says they're connected to aliens. It's all the same story. Yes. And that's why I'm, I'm really delighted that I have a chance to show that, that it's all connected, that it's not separate. You know, with the afterlife, the reason I've chosen to talk about the children is because they have, many of them have conscious memory of coming from other star systems with their abilities as well. When you get a 16-year-old telling you that his past life was on Mars and he can actually build interstellar craft and is explaining that the reason he can do that is because he still remembers from that lifetime how to build them because that's what he did. So it's talking about the children and their memory of, of not only their other lifetimes, but also the, the uh, awareness that they have they brought in to help this planet. Because, you know, the, the problem for many of them is, and, and this is, is getting back to how the children are taught, not only on the spacecraft where they're shown other planets, they may be taken as one eight-year-old told me to a planet where there were dog-type beings and humanoids, but she was also being shown genetic engineering, genetic modification between different species and different plant species, different animal species. Now, this is an eight-year-old telling me about genetic modification. So this is complex things that these children are being shown. And she explained to me that when she's in the classroom sometimes and the teacher's saying something that's inaccurate, then her fairies yeah. tell her what's inaccurate and what is actually the truth. So... We're not appreciating that our kids are getting all this other information. You know, we think they look disinterested because they are often because the information is not correct and, and they're being told it's not correct. You know, as another one said, the grey being that his friend tells him when it's incorrect and, when, and gives him the answers to what is correct. We're not appreciating that they're aware. They're seeing this. They're, they can see and sense truth. They can look at you and know whether or not you're lying to them or not. They can know what you're thinking. So you really have to watch what you're thinking. And the teachers don't realize this is part of the, the, you know, what they're dealing with. And that's why everything about education has to be turned on its head. And as you say, taking them into an environment which is supportive of that awareness, where they tell us what they need to expand and grow so that we can, we can help them with the 3D world, but we are actually learning how to be part of their world because that's where we're going to, I believe. Yeah, exactly. The conversation I was having with the yummy mummy, Christy, who I was sitting next to on the plane, you see a lot of these parents are not in our world, Mary, like the new agey, spiritual, alien encounter world. They're mainstream 3D world and then they have these children diagnosed with autism. But she was telling me, you know, she was very aware of the benefit her child had on her, completely disruptive at school. So he's nine. I've had this phenomena of meeting nine-year-old boys and 14, 15-year-old boys that all kind of look similar and all have the same story. It's really very interesting. And he is, you said it before, he gets violent at school because he's perceiving things differently. He's, you know, the sensory input is overwhelming. The teachers don't understand. So she's having a really hard time with him at school. I have another girlfriend who has a 14-year-old boy that's the same, can't read or write, completely dyslexic. My nephew is the same and is disruptive at school, but their brains work so fast 
that even talking to them is too slow. They get bored. They just get bored in a simple conversation because they're, they're already reading your mind and they're way ahead of you and then they've got to slow themselves down to actually listen to what you're saying and they get frustrated and bored. But what's interesting is watching these parents trying to cope with that because they don't know what to do. What advice do you give to them? Well, the first is to actually really listen to their kids and how they're experiencing things, because we've got to understand that they are deliberately upgraded into a greater reality to to help us go there. So we've got to learn that we can't use the old, old ways. So first is to listen. But there are strategies in terms of managing their ADHD, which one gentleman, Neil Gold, who realized in his 50s he was ADHD, and he He said, I'd always seen reality or experienced reality differently, he said. And it was only in my 50s I realized that I had ADHD. And he's written a book called Close Encounters of the ADHD Kind. (laughs) And he changes that. And he now says it's always dialed into higher dimensions. I love that. Let's repeat that. ADHD, always dialed into higher dimensions. So... What we're trying to do is we're trying to dumb them down so they can actually see the pedestrian way we live, when in fact we should be trying to meet where they're at. But we also have to know that they are tuning into us. So we have to be very clear about our emotions, our feelings, because many of them are very empathic. So they can get mixed up between maybe your frustration, (laughs) you might be just getting frustrated, and they will pick that up and then they get frustrated. So we've got to also be aware that they're tuning into that side of us as well. So when parents, you know, sometimes do get tired, do get frustrated, that will actually impact on the child. The child will pick that up and not know necessarily how to, how to manage it. So we've got to be aware of ourselves and our emotions and our feelings. But also there are certain um, vitamins and minerals that you can they can take which will stabilize them as well. And I write about that in the book from Dr. Lena Olson, who is a scientist, she's a molecular biologist, but she's also a letter person. And she's learned how to manage it. By There are certain B vitamins that are particularly important where they need more of them. And obviously, um, diet is important, what they're taking in. So we, we, you know, we can help them on numerous practical levels, as well as changing our mindset, which is we can't program them into the old system. The whole idea that they're different is they're not to be programmed into 3D because it's inaccurate. It's not reality as we need to experience it. So they're deliberately upgrading them so they're not so easy to program. That's the whole point. I know, exactly. It's, you know, this is to take us into the new multidimensional um, reality, not to, you know, haul them back into the old paradigm. So that is why it's difficult. It's deliberately difficult for them. And that is why the dyslexics can't read and what have you. Because, again, that's programming. Everything you read, everything you're taught at school is literally programming. As this nine-year-old said, schools program you out of your light. The teachers just press the keys, is how she described it to me. Mm -hmm. This is is from a (laughs) nine-year-old telling me she knew what was going on. Yeah, they do program you out of your life. And also, you know, not being able to read, from my experience being a dyslexic kid, I found that my mission in this lifetime amongst a few other missions was to really develop that intuitive psychic side. And that's what I've done. And, you know, I'm connected to a group of beings that I call my mob or blissful beings that talk to me constantly and always have. 
But, you know, when I was younger, I just called it my common sense because it was so natural to me. I didn't have a language for what was happening to me. But to kind of dumb down that intellectual aspect of me at that time really got me connected to that more expansive, intuitive aspect. And this is what these kids do, but not only for themselves, because they don't need to learn that lesson. That's like who they are. They need to teach us that. Do you know what I'm saying? So they're teaching us to listen more to our vibration and not the common sense coming from the learned person outside of yourself that's telling you what to do and how to live your life. And yet you feel like that's not right for you. My daughter deals with a lot of autistic children because she's been doing this carer's course so she can deal with them. And she understands that the only way you communicate to them or with them, these are children that can't speak and who are way up on the spectrum, is you communicate through your feeling. And so if, if a child is frustrated, you have to change your vibration. You have to bring your vibration to a place of peace and calm and love in order to get through to them at all. And that and that's brilliant because that's everything I'm going to talk about at the afterlife experience because I'm talking about deliberate creation because it's all very well talking about near-death experiences and aliens and, you know, life after death and, ooh, is there aliens and is there life after death? Yeah, but what is the message of all of that? you know, to tune up our vibration, to shift, to be able to be deliberate with how we think and feel. These kids are teaching us that, absolutely. Christy said to me that her life had been so transformed by her son, even though it was difficult, even though she was really not in this conversation, she said, I'm a better person because of him. It was beautiful. And that's what the, the, I think particularly the autistic, because they're telepathic, um, it's teaching us to come from a place of love. Yeah. And, and to be absolutely totally authentic with it yes i think the um the aspergers what i found uh, interesting with aspergers is when one asperger said to me they say that we can't socialize and he said but that's not true between ourselves we socialize perfectly what we don't socialize with is masks and the general way that socialization is is everyone wears the mask and he said and we can't be bothered with it it's false it's not real it's not truth so they're, they're telling us quite clearly, get rid of the masks, be authentic, you know? And so each one of them has a particular role, I think, to play in helping us move spiritually and evolving into being authentic to actually walk our talk. I mean, all of it to me is, is, is saying that, exactly that. And the other thing that you said that was absolutely spot on is that unfortunately with our educational programming conditioning, we're programmed out of our multidimensional awareness because we're told that we have to be able to think and analyze to make it actually acceptable. What we're not taught to recognize trust is our intuitive multidimensional knowing. Oh, you can't, you can't possibly trust your intuition or that feeling or that knowing because you can't quantify that in 3D terms. Mm. And what that does is shut you down. I remember a teenager telling me when he was 10, his family told him to, to basically get real, to stop talking about all these realities and all the rest of it and just, you know, get on with being in the real world. Yeah. And he said, Mary, I, he said, I tried to do that. He said, for a little time, he said, I got so depressed, I wanted to take my life. Mm. And I made a decision, he said, in the end, that if being part of that multidimensional world actually supported me and nurtured me, I'd rather do that and stay here 
than go back to that very limited 3D world that they were trying to get me to just experience. And he said, I'd have taken my life. He said, if I hadn't gone back to my multidimensional self. And this is what, what we're, we're, you and I both know this, that it's about honoring the fact that, you know, we're going around with one eye closed mm. if we're just looking at 3D. To be fully human and to be fully connected to our nurturing, you know, our non-human teams and yeah. support network and our higher awareness. Yes. Yes. The I call it my non-human team yes. that support me that give you all that other information that supports your journey and helps you understand this crazy 3D box yeah. that, you, you, that, you, that everyone tries to fit into and never does, you know, but loses the confidence in that multidimensional information that we're getting all the time that's helping us to understand. It's the nurturing, it's the petrol that keeps you here, it's the food that keeps you here, you know. It's the energy that gives you the, the life, if you like, of being in, in a 3D, very limited, very, what's the word, sad kind of frequency that this, this chaos we're, we're experiencing right now, without that. Unaware, I said, unaware, in a very unaware state. They're all antidepressants. Mm-hmm. So, you know, these are what's happening. But what you said about, you know, wanting to commit suicide, and this is a very real thing that's happening. You know, when my daughter was at school, I was hearing about a lot of young kids committing suicide and their parents were just at, at a loss. And it's exactly what you were saying because they actually understand that they can get out of this, this uh, third-dimensional game and it's easy and they can like, return home to their multidimensional self. But the reason for being here is not to get out of the game but to bring the wisdom from the afterlife or non-physical or whatever you want to call it from other dimensions into this dimension. I mean, that's that's why we're here. That's the reason that we're here. That's a part of the the rules of the game, you know. It's not to get out of the game. Yeah, the suicide thing is is a big thing amongst young people, but it, it is exactly that. It's because they just feel so different to everybody else. They feel trapped. They, they feel trapped, yeah. yeah. The reality doesn't make any sense to them. Mm. And they, they, they have nothing to nurture them because everything that does nurture them, they're being shut down from and told it's not real and there's something wrong with you and mm. you're too different. You know, so you, you you get isolated or they get isolated, just as that young man explained to me. Yeah, but it's great because they're here in droves. You know, I'm, I'm about to have a conversation with a woman, Scarlett Lewis, whose five-year-old was shot in the Sandy Hook shootings. Now, this little boy was a complete star child. He, you know, when she speaks about him, he was just this ball of light and compared to his brother, just so gregarious and so brave and so out there and so amazing. But he also understood his multidimensional self and wasn't really afraid of death. During the time when the shooting happened, he, instead of running from the shooter, he told his classmates to run, but he actually ran to protect his teacher and the shooter shot him and his teacher. And he actually is very present in Scarlett's life from his non-physical home in another dimension, you know, not in his physical body. And he's, you know, one of her guides or one of her teachers helping her remind people that tragedy is not about hating the other person but choosing love. So she has this massive movement 
called I Choose Love, all brought by this star child. You know what I'm saying? Isn't it? Yeah, beautiful. And that's what I'm seeing all along is that they all know their mission. Mm. You know, they'll talk about, as one eight-year-old told me, he's come because he communicates with animals and it's to help human beings realise how important animals are and that they're conscious and that we have to treat them with respect. Another um, nine-year-old told me that she comes in and she can control elements. By that, she means the wind and the, the clouds. She says other um, ones she knows have other elements that they can control and they can work with and what have you. She described that she's been shown how to use her third eye on another planet <laughs> and, and also how to levitate and what have you, was given the instructions and she was describing to me what she was shown and what have you. So that these are all the abilities that these children are coming in with an understanding that that's part of their awareness and that they've got a job to do with it, you know, as well. So, you know, they're coming in as the cavalry, even if they're only less than a meter tall, you know what I mean? I know. I'm I'm just going to tell you what I'm seeing. I have this massive group of people standing in the room right now. I I can see them with my third eye that are all listening to us and watching us and they're applauding you, Mary. (laughs) They're applauding you. Like this massive group. It's just so crowded in here. It's beautiful. They're they're around. They're around. Are you getting your hairs? I know because like my posture is changing as I'm talking to you. Like I'm feeling this adjustment happening to you as I'm ha- happening to me as I'm having this conversation with you. Now, you put out a movie with your son, and this is something that I want to talk about too because uh, it was a while ago, and he's come on board. But that movie was about how he saw you as this crazy old woman talking about all this stuff, and he was trying to grapple with the understanding of it. I thought it was beautiful because. As much as we can hang out in our little new age groups, you know, the majority of the world does not understand what we're talking about and they're really trying to get a fix on it, you know, because it's so outside their paradigm. I think he's come more on board these days, hasn't he, your son? Oh, look, he's, he, he never actually thought I was crazy, but he did think that I perhaps my, I was a little bit too open-minded, <laughs> if you like. <laughs> but I, I remember saying to him, you know, open-mindedness doesn't equate to gullibility. Yeah. Just because I'm open, I'm open to what I don't know, and it's an arrogance to think that you have a mandate on reality, no matter how many degrees you have, and he's got three, you know, it's, and he's, you know, being a scientist and what have you. I said, because the truth is we don't know what we don't know. And how do we find out? We find out by listening to other versions of experience because that is giving us a greater idea of what reality consists of. And you can't go around saying, well, I, you know, I'm the only one who really knows what reality is all about. So, but it did highlight very much, you know, the, the problem that someone who's waking up or awakening to their more of themselves, that the family maybe don't get it, don't understand, or, or even frightened of what that might mean. Mm-hmm. And, or maybe fearful of someone, you know, questioning, you know, am I going crazy, which is one of the things I got on the end of a phone many times when someone said, you're going to think I'm crazy. And I usually say, try me, because I've got no idea. <laughs> that I'll go into parallel universes if I have to, you know, and that whatever dimension you want to go with, I'll go there too. You know, I, I haven't got any kind of limits to where I'll go, but they may not know, know that. But the great thing about that was really about the conflict and confusion between families when you've got someone in a family 
that's having all of this and the rest of the family are not experiencing it. Mm. And the isolation that they feel. I mean, I didn't feel particularly isolated because, you know, I was aware that, you know, Chris loved me and he respected me, even if he didn't quite get some of, of what I was talking about or whatever. So there was never that sense of mum's crazy. She's just a bit too open-minded for her own good, you know, yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Um, but at the end of it, what was, you know, he was honouring of the fact that, you know, there were people, you know, around the globe that were having this experience. And he was also aware that, you know, I'm working with lawyers, doctors, nurses, psychiatrists, farmers, housewives, children, celebrities, even politicians, believe it or not, you know, yeah. that are having experience. Mm. And if you've got hundreds, I mean, I've worked with over 3,000 individuals now mm. around the globe. I'm getting emails from Africa to China to South America having experiences like this and not only having encountered with non-human beings and spirits and whatever, but they're doing a lot of unusual expressions after contact, like writing strange scripts or coming out with light languages, for example, mm. or they're coming out with music frequencies that mm. they've never been musical and all of a sudden they want to play the piano yeah. or they're, they've never painted before and all of a sudden they find themselves doing this unusual artwork. This is part of it too and it's very confronting because it's strange to a lot of people, but this is how we're being communicated and this is also very important for us to understand and thinking, oh, well, it's too weird, I'm not going to look at it, is not the way we learn. It's not yeah. the way we grow. We've got to try and work out what it's showing us. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you've, you know, since you've become so popular, you're an expert in this field and you're, you're being asked to talk at conferences all around the world now. And what is really beautiful is that how many of the conferences are popping up that are having this conversation. That's really beautiful because I think, you know, Catherine and, and Mick, Mick started the Afterlife Explorers Conference because he had a near-death experience and he didn't have a group of people to talk to about it. So he thought, well, I'll just get them together and have a group of people to talk to. And they're just popping up everywhere, which is wonderful, keeping you really busy, Mary. Well, I love the fact that, if, you know, for me, it isn't just about lights in the sky. It's not yeah. the nuts and bolts of, of ufology, you know, where they didn't even want to know about people's experiences. They just wanted to know what was the craft like and how long did you watch it and how big it was and how many people saw it. And that's yeah. been 70 years of ufology. But you see, yeah. for yeah. me, being a therapist, it was more about how did this change you? And then seeing the transformation, realizing that people who see spirits often see ETs as well. Mm. It isn't separate, you know, that, you know, the spirit guide that you see as an angel could very well be a light being if you're into ufology. So seeing the mix, and that's why I'm really delighted that they've put together both conferences because they could see from my presentation in the afterlife this year. I was covering the spiritual realm as well because it's a spiritual journey ultimately. This isn't this isn't just about lights in the sky. This is about a soul that's wanting to experience certain experiences to wake up, to Absolutely. understand who they are, whether or not it's near-death experiences and out-of-body experiences, whether it's a shamanic experience that wakes you up, kundalini awakening or whatever, or whether or not it's, it's you know, you waking up as a star kid and knowing you're not from here. All of it is just really the soul choosing, I believe, a certain type of experience to wake up. You know, Marianne, there are so many people out there, especially of my generation, you know, and, and older or, you know, around my generation, 
that have come in as star beings and they have not woken up because they've got swept up in the third dimensional paradigm and doing what they're supposed to do. I'm thinking specifically of my brother. Now at eight years old, he took apart the television and put it back together again. He was a technical whiz and we weren't having this conversation back then, but, you know, we would be going, at how he just knew technology. So he works in IT and supports his family and has a corporate job and is obsessed with sci-fi movies, right? So I said to him recently, you know, you're an alien. I said to him, do you believe in aliens? And he said, yeah, I believe in aliens. I said, do you believe they're here on the planet with us? And he said, oh, no, 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 no. Said, no, that's not possible. So that seems to be the consensus that I believe in them. They're just not here with us, you know, they're not going to visit us anytime soon. And so I've been sort of trying to wake him up. He's been watching me do my thing for years and he just, you know, he just thinks I'm one of those strange, crazy people. But it's really interesting how they're all out there and they're amazing and they're not aware of who they are. Have you encountered people like that? Uh, look, and what's really happened, particularly in the last few years, how many of them have been woken up. I'm working now in an organization called the Foundation for Research into Extraterrestrial Encounters. And one of the co-founders is Ray Hernandez, who's an attorney, a tax attorney. Right. Now, he was completely agnostic, didn't believe in any of the anything to do with religion or anything. Yeah, that's like my brother. Exactly. Yeah, he said his wife was a, you know, is a Catholic. And he said one night... They had this huge mother craft go over the top of the house. This energy being came down and their dog was really sick. This energy being healed the dog, went back up into the craft. And he said, after that, he said his whole world changed. Wow. He became obsessed with quantum physics. He was obsessed with all of this. Um, told he had to create uh, this organization, which when he contacted me, we, we started to get it together. And now we've, we've got this organization where most of the directors of PhDs, either in astrophysics, physics, or uh, we've got a neuroscientist who's coming actually to the conference, Dr. Bob Davis, who's part right. of free organizing. What we're doing now is these incredible surveys that are showing what people believed about these encounters is actually not true, that primarily 85% of people after encounters are transformed, yeah. woken up and what have you. And this is all the new kind of information that's coming in through our contacts. But here's a down-to-earth, you know, tax attorney, one yeah. minute didn't believe in anything, or an overnight completely changed his paradigm. There's the activation. And I believe there are many on this planet that will have something like that when it's time for them to be woken up. Because this is what I'm seeing over the last few years. Literally, overnight, some people are being activated and realize what their mission is. And I suspect, rather, it may happen just in a similar way that one minute it's this, the next minute he remembers. Yes, it's, yeah, I'm, yeah, it's, it's fascinating. I'm, I'm wondering if that's going to happen to him because his wife's a Catholic. <laughs> You're speaking his story. And she's really conservative and really keeping up with the Joneses, you know, doing the right thing, being in the little box. And it's so uh, they're kind of really consumed with... Um, you know, looking good and, and doing it. Yeah. So it's interesting. It. Pardon? I call it playing the game. <laughs> 
I wonder if he'll have an experience. Like I've been telling him for years, but he just says, you know, he just doesn't believe me. You know, I spoke to Garnet Schulhauser. I think you've met him at one of the conferences too. He was 56 and walking down the street one day and his spirit guide appeared to him as a homeless man and woke him up. Bang. He was a corporate lawyer for 40 odd years. So conservative. I love that that tax attorney, corporate lawyer, you know, IT person who just, he's an atheist, an agnostic, doesn't believe in anything and then has this awakening. It's just fascinating. I love watching those. And and that's the hope really that, you know, that when it's time, and I think that each soul has their own red flag, if you like, or catalyst. Yeah. You know, I talk about that in, you know, in the presentation called Triggers of Consciousness because there are many ways people get woken up, you know, through a healing experience, for example. That should never have happened and and you know completely shifted in their awareness from that healing experience or whatever just depending on what that soul particularly feels is their way to be activated to be ready for as as dr olson talks about we're separating out she believes into two frequencies the low frequency people and the high frequency people and we're making a choice right now mm-hmm. to whether we're going to stay in 3d world and carry on in, in that matrix or whether or not we're choosing to raise the frequency and go and evolve now into another awareness, another reality. And that's how she sees it, it, it happening. You know, I've had that conversation with a lot of spiritual teachers. I've had conversations with Michaela Sheldon, who's an amazing channel. She was a soccer mom and she American and she was woken up and I interviewed her about her story, but she's got a whole gang, you know, she's a bit like me in that she can contact anybody and she's like got the Galactic Federation and this person and that, like she's speaking to the universe. I tell you, she's an amazing channel. And she says the same thing about the two dimensions living simultaneously a fourth and fifth dimension and a third dimension and then that separating separating out. And I was contemplating this in my travels because I went to Asia recently and I'm looking around at the way, you know, the masses live and I'm thinking, how is this going to happen? You know, how does this work? How does this work? Because, you know, when you get isolated in your little sort of new age groups and we have these conversations all the time, it seems feasible. But when you're out there in the world amongst millions of people and I'm thinking about the cultural, you know, Asia and their cultural beliefs and the religious beliefs in all these different countries, how, how's that going to work? I, I, I Yeah. It's, I, I don't know whether it's going to be like the hundredth monkey with a certain Critical mass. And it actually just, it, it becomes an accepted norm. And I, I, I would like to think maybe that's the way it will happen or whether there'll be some event that does that. Mm-hmm. And, and so I've talked about an event, um, something sooner rather than later, whatever that event may be. And I've been told you couldn't possibly imagine what that event is. So we can't even try and imagine that. So whatever that is, it's paradigm shifting. So I, I actually quite like, in a way, not knowing yeah. because it's, it's part of the fun of why we're down here. You know, it's like we don't know what's going to happen next. Yeah. And I find that quite fun because I think if we knew how it was all going to evolve, it'd be boring, wouldn't it? You know, I just <laughs> Look, absolutely. You know, one of the people I chat with and I met, I found him through the interview, is the dead dude, Eric Medhus, who's a spirit guide, and he's changing hundreds of thousands of lives, talking through different mediums across the world. And he was asked a question through a medium, 
you know, that what's the what's the beauty of physical life as opposed to non-physical life where you're multidimensional, you can fly around the universe and you're, you know, you know everything. And he said, you know, the beauty of physical life is anticipation. He said in non-physical or higher dimensions, there is no anticipation because as soon as you have the question, the answer is there. It's shown to you, it's given to you, you have the experience of it. He said in third dimensional or lower density frequency, you have a question, like we've just posed a question, how is this going to happen? And then that anticipation gives you this rich experience of not knowing. And I loved that. I thought, wow, it made me feel sort of happier about being here in this third dimensional reality. <laughs> Let's appreciate that not knowing. I think I've always said to my non-physical team, I've usually said, you know, I'll stay here and I'll work hard and do my job down here, but uh, it must never end up being boring because as soon as it's boring, you're going to have to take me off the planet, I said, because I can't handle boredom, you know. <laughs> so they've kept it pretty interesting up to date, so I'll hang around, I've decided. <laughs> never a dull moment, darling, never a dull moment. <laughs> So we're going to have fun at the conference. I'm going to talk about deliberate creation and how to really get deliberate in your vibration because that's really such an important aspect of being human and and that's such their message. It's the message I get from spirit. It's the message I get from aliens. It's the message I get from higher dimensions. You see, they know how to do that. But when you were in this third dimensional experience with this huge buffer of time, Tuning up your vibration and staying focused and keeping a frequency is a lot more difficult because, you know, thought and manifestation happens so slowly here, whereas there it's, well, depending on what vibration you're in or frequency or dimension, it's instant. Actually, when it's instant, you have to be even more diligent with how you think and feel because when you're having a negative thought, you're having a negative manifestation, yeah, instantly. So maybe this is kindergarten, Mary, where we're practising, tuning up our vibration. I, I, it reminds me of an email from a lady who'd got a three-year-old daughter and she was saying right from birth, my daughter's being telepathic. She not only reads my mind, but everybody else is around. Mm-hmm. And it's becoming very difficult. She's now three. And I'm still having to watch how I think all the time because she's tuning into that. And she says, you know, it's very difficult. It's very difficult keeping, you know, loving thoughts and kind thoughts and what have you. And I thought, isn't that a great way to learn how to to watch what you're doing, how you're manifesting and what have you? Because we do, you know, we think nobody else can hear our thoughts. You know, I really got pissed off with that chap down the road or da-da-da-da-da. And we're really going to have to come from that place of love, which is all part of the evolution of being in higher frequency. So I felt for her. I thought, because I, I couldn't do that. Yeah. This, this is how she's being taught through yeah. her daughter. That's exactly what the yummy mummy I sat next to on the plane said. And she's not aware of this conversation. I, I can't remember what her job was, but um, sort of mainstream job. But she said, you know, he's taught me to be a better person because she's had to. She's had to shift her vibration, get less angry, less pissed off, be calmer, be more sensitive like she had to in order to deal with him so yeah it's all happening by default you know he's this masterful teacher in order to communicate and to have get any sense out of him you have to bring your vibration into alignment to connect and yeah so it's great I was having this conversation with a person yesterday who lost their husband suddenly 
And she's been pretty good, but she's starting to grieve after a couple of months. And the message that came through is death is such a gift because in order to stay connected to your husband who's now in another dimension, who's now non-physical, you have to stay happy in order to stay connected because she feels him all the time. She sees evidence of him around, lights flashing, all sorts of amazing things happening. She hasn't got that telepathic communication. Well, I say she hasn't got it. She's got it. She's just not aware of it. So she has to come into that awareness that he's actually, because he kept saying in our interaction, I'm here with you, babe. I'm not going anywhere. I'm right next to you. I'm here the whole time. I'm here the whole time. And she's missing him. So in order to stay connected to him, she has to clean up her vibration. She has to raise her vibration. So death is such a beautiful gift of deliberate creation. Death is a gift in deliberate creation. And that's what I'm going to chat about in the Afterlife Explorers Conference. (laughs) Mary, can't wait. What have we got? We've been chatting for about an hour. Any last messages you want to give to people watching this or listening to this? Well, all I'd like to say is we're in a very amazing time in human history, I believe. And for me, if you, you know, embrace the change, don't be afraid of the change. Don't be fearful of all the, you know, all the stuff that you see out there that's being thrown at you on TV and whatever about the world going into chaos. We actually need to clean the decks you know, before we can actually get to a point where we can evolve the way we need to. So this is this is a wonderful time to be alive because we can change things, but just simply by being the best we can be. And we can all make a difference if we do that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, we've just witnessed the US elections and everyone's up in arms about that. Your thoughts on that, Mary? I think nothing better could have happened because it's turned everything on its head and it's showing that people (laughs) are no longer being conned by these governments that have thought they've got it in the bag. And now people are actually speaking and saying, we've had enough. Whether or not you like Trump or not, he is going to create change and change is good. So for me, hallelujah, Brexit, hallelujah, all of it is about change. And Again, whether you think it's a good or bad thing, we don't know what it means, but it does mean that the old system is no longer in place. And that to me is a really good thing. Yeah, absolutely. But a lot, a lot of the sort of new age hippies, you know, I call them people that are wanting to see change are upset because he's so, because of his ideology is so archaic. Um, but, you know, my message to them is, Pushing against anything never changes anything. You know, you've got to love what is before you can go anywhere. So loving Trump is actually the way to help that change manifest. Yeah, he's, he's, he's a catalyst for change, whether or like, you like him or not. Mm. The bottom line is it, it is actually allowing change. And there's no accidents. There's never any accidents. No. It is not an accident that he's got where he's got because He is going to be the vehicle for that. Even if like him or hate him, at the end of the day, he is going to drain the swamp, as he calls it. And I think that's needed right across the board because most of the governments now, I believe, are corrupt and they're playing us um, and playing us and thinking we're all dumb. Well, I think the worm's turning and the worm's saying enough already. However, that has to happen. Sometimes the hardliners who are strong are what people will go for rather than this pussyfooting around. So for me, you know, there are no accidents. So he is meant to be that. Whatever ultimately comes from that, we don't know. And that's part of the fun of being down here, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. (laughs)
That's the fun, the anticipation. That's why we're here. Anticipation, anticipation. <laughs> well, if you want to come and meet Mary in person, come along to the Afterlife Explorers Conference and the Close Encounters Conference in January. Now, what date is it? I'm not very prepared with this. Uh, 14th isn't it 14th. yeah it's mid-month 13th 14th it's over four days it's right in the heart of byron byron bay is such a vortex for healers and teachers and extraordinary people it's such an amazing place ubud byron bay sedona shasta there are these places on the planet that attract the light workers if you like and it's really interesting i've come from ubud i was spending some time in ubud and like byron manifestation because there's a different frequency of consciousness there manifestation happens quicker there they were reminding me in Ubud that you have to be really careful of what you're focusing on because you're going it's, it's amplified it's amplified so it's going to be an exciting conference I can't wait so come on down if you want to meet Mary or myself talk about life after death aliens dimensions portals wormholes star children oh it's so delicious <laughs> Mary, Mary, thanks so much for chatting with us today. And the book, The New Humans, people can yes, get their hands on it. That's the launch of The New Human. And I know that whatever your perspective is, there is something in it for you because it is meant to reach everyone, not just a particular um, person. It, it's for us and our future. And that was why I wrote it. Very exciting. Thanks for joining us. It's a pleasure. Thanks for joining us for another hour accentuating the positive with Karen Swain on ATP Media. If you'd like to hear more of Mary and I chatting, we got talking after this show and about 10 minutes in, I press the recording again because what Mary says, everything Mary says should be recorded. She's just brilliant. So I'm going to put that conversation in a separate conversation so check that out on soundcloud itunes or on the website also you can see the whole conversation the two of us talking on youtube if you're interested in looking at our gorgeous faces you can see all of it on www.karenswain.com slash mary rodwell and remember to check out my website karenswain.com for any readings and teachings available about spiritual deliberate creation for the change makers difference makers and disruptors catch you next time thanks for listening bye for now Clap along,